right. uh, through the well, obviously the verdict. Yes, yes. I I want to tell you, Mike. I'm very impressed with you, and I ra- very rarely say things like this. So mm. so just drink it in for this moment, because when you're right in this moment, yes, you're wrong <laughs> in your natural way of saying yes, 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 always, always. Uh, yes. But when we were picking movies. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, Sydney Lumet. Okay, we'll do The Verdict. I've never seen that. And you, like, poker-faced were like, nope, that's fine. Uh, wait until after I see it to be like, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And, I, and I'm the type of person who's the opposite, where, like, as soon as you halfway mention a movie that I like, I'm like, oh, it's so good. And you were just like, mm-hmm. okay, The Verdict, if you if you prefer that, uh, I suppose <laughs> we can watch that. Uh, so, yeah. and But I want to start off this episode by shitting all over a streaming service that I really like, uh, which is uh, yes. HBO Max, where for some reason... And I thought it was me until you told me you experienced the same thing. The audio for this file is completely out of sync. So out of sync that Tessa was like, I cannot. I refuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up watching this twice. I watched it once like that and then kind of wanted to get like the real thing. So I actually bought the Blu-ray uh, so I could actually watch it as it was intended. So that should clue you into the fact that I enjoyed this movie enough to watch it more than once, even though the first time the audio was completely out of sync. Thanks for thanks for nothing, HBO, as you just increased your prices a dollar uh, for the month. I saw that. And I just got, I just got a ding for that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I went to, uh, you know, the, this gold standard of audiovisual, which was a random episode of Oz, uh, which I believe was start, <laughs> shot with our family camcorder. <laughs> um, but, you know, the uh, prison assaults of various nature, yeah. the sound the, seemed to line the up. The grunting the was right on time. <laughs> yes, and all of that. Uh, cafeteria, you know, food uses weapons. Yeah. Um, but when trying to watch a classic uh, David Mamet script. I was on it pretty quickly. Um, I was going back into my like iTunes library. I had Before Sunrise ready to go. I'm like, that's very talky. Yeah. Oh, everything's matching up on the train. All right. Yeah. Um, and I went to HBO. And so, yes, you're right. It is just the verdict. So, unfortunately, you know, I think we normally say, hey, it's streaming now. I said it at the end of the Not last really. episode. Like, I was like, hey, it's on HBO, guys. Isn't this great? No, it's not great. <laughs> I think it was uh, Paul Newman, you know, he, he he likes to drink and play pinball. He's not really very talkative at the beginning, but I'm like, I don't think him slamming a shot glass glass down is uh, syncing up just right, and the pinball is kind of awkward. He's, yeah. Maybe he's terrible at it. He's got a delayed reaction <laughs> to things. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I pulled off a, a DVD copy that I was, didn't even know I had. I look over into my V section on my wall. I'm like, oh, I bought this at some point. Got a commentary track. Uh, sorry to disappoint you listeners, I did not. As I often do, I love the idea of a commentary track and never, <laughs> nah. never listen to that. Um, but I was aware of this film um, before I watched it because of, I guess, the infamous ending, depending on how you look at it. I, it was one of those things that uh, probably in reading uh, more about Mamet, uh, I've read some books where he was uh, the main screenwriter, uh, the can't remember the producer's name but he produces yellowstone now so he's Mm. he's made bank but he did fight club the untouchables there's a lot of like classic films and he wrote a couple of books about his life as a producer and unfortunately for him or fortunately uh he was involved with david mamet a lot who was uh very trollish and dickish in dealing with producers um 
<laughs> for instance, uh, he produced a movie called The Edge, which is a uh, oh, the, Anthony Hopkins the bear movie. Yeah, yeah, fight the bear. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like he, I guess, called up Mamet and was like, "Hey, you know, I just want to get something going." You know, your, your scripts are always great. Do you have anything that you, just an idea you'd like to see produced? Can, and he's like, yeah, I've always wanted to see like a couple of guys fight a bear. And so he's like, all right. It's my <laughs> kind like of guy. He has a script. <laughs> but uh, it's not the most um, collaborative when it comes to, once the script is done, he is kind of done. He is not right. believing I'm in out. rights. So like the Untouchables famously, uh, they wanted him to do a sequence where, Capone, it, they can tie him to ordering the hit on Sean Connery's character. They don't have anything that directly ties him to that. So they go to Mamet and ask him to do it. And he's directing his own work. And he's like, mm, hemming, hawing, kind of trolling. And basically is like, if you back up a truckload of money, right. maybe I'll write you one scene. One scene. That is why, <laughs> that is why in that film, you see that information relayed to Capone while he's, I believe, at the opera. Right. So there's right. no dialogue. Because they couldn't, it's very boogie nights. They couldn't match... Mammoth's dialogue, much like you couldn't match Mark Wahlberg's penis in Boogie Nights. <laughs> right. So they're like, we can't use stock footage here. Um, to bring it back to the verdict with all of that, um, Mammoth originally did not, it was called the verdict in a sort of ha-ha way in that his original script does not end with the result. You don't mm. actually know the verdict. It oh, ends with Paul Newman's awesome speech oh. and then it just fades out. <laughs> so how would you feel, Dave? Because I'm... You know, clearly you were enthusiastic enough to watch this in a terrible audio sync fashion and then rewatch again properly. How would you feel if they had left it to where you don't really know uh, how the jurors uh, rule on this case? You know, honestly, I think I would prefer it um, because I, I was shocked that the movie ended with kind of a happy ending. Like I was stunned. It almost doesn't <laughs> much like the Paul Newman character. Right, right. <laughs> I felt like it like, Oh shit, really? I won. Oh my God. Uh, because I was convinced it was going to come back the other way around. Um, Cause that feels like a mammoth thing. Like, Oh yeah, you've done all this work. We built this character up this amazing Oscar worthy, you know, memory worthy speech. And then like, yeah, fuck you. Anyway, none of it matters. All that work. That guy at the beginning was right. Like you should have just taken the money to start with. Um, but honestly, Mike, I, I don't know what it says about me and probably us that like, when we watch a movie that the other one has been like, this is great. We secretly are like, man, I hope this fucking sucks. I can't wait to fucking <laughs> line into him. Uh, but that is not the case here. I So here is my case for, you know, so of this era, uh, the, the t two of the main leading men usually mentioned are Newman and Redford, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to yeah. say Newman outclasses Redford and it's not even close. Uh, because the reason is he can play more i don't think you believe a movie where redford is down on his luck drunk playing pinball and just a complete fuck up like you don't buy that at all with newman well because even when redford's losing yeah it's just waiting until he's victorious yeah it's almost like he's way. choosing to lose like you're like oh you just want to <laughs> you know give yourself a challenge so you'll feel even better and more attractive yes. by the end of this um, but newman and that goes can into play the ending yes like yeah. i think if you have redford you're expecting right like he's he sitting there pompous come like, from behind yeah i yeah. got this yeah whereas newman newman can play both sides of that he can play right. uber confident and that type of role or he can play this where like at the beginning you're like oh there's no way 
he comes out on top. This guy is a complete and utter mess, and you truly, truly believe it. One of my, honestly, as I mentioned, I'd never seen this before. I mean, this goes to near the top of my Newman performances. It's, like, stunningly good, even for a great actor. Because especially knowing where this ends up, I, I don't know if I would have believed it five minutes into the movie. Like, I was like, I don't know how we get here. But he managed, and granted, it helps. You've got Lumet behind the camera. <laughs> You've got one of the greatest scriptwriters in the history of film, right? And you've got Newman. It's like a murderer's row here. But it never feels, it never feels too polished, right? A lot of times when you have great directors, great writers, great stars, it's hard to even engage with it because it's so good. Whereas this has a grainy feel to it and a kind of a raw texture to it that you're just like, yeah, okay, I'm in. I have forgotten that this is a silver screen idol. I've forgotten that a great director directed a great writer writing it because it does sound a lot of times when you have great writers, it starts to sound completely unnatural. And that's not the case here. Like all these conversations, all these monologues, like feel like they could actually happen. I suppose it is the nature of the courtroom drama that you can have the big speeches mm -hmm. uh, because now yeah. it is your time to give a big speech. Right, right. Um, and even outside of the case, uh, one of my favorite scenes um, is after he has turned down the first offer from mm. uh, the Catholic church and the, this hospital and um, the family finds out that he has turned down $210,000. He didn't call me up. Well, who, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Huh? They tell me I can have you to spot. I am going to have your ticket. Do you know what you did? I said, do you know what you did? No, it is. It is. Take it easy. Okay. It's okay. You ruined my life, mister. Me and my wife. And now I'm going to ruin yours. You don't have to go out there to see that girl. We've been going for four years now. See, four years, my wife has been crying herself to sleep. What they did to her sister. Look, I swear to you, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't turn down the offer if I thought I couldn't win the case. What, you, what you thought? I am a working man, and I am trying to get my wife out of town. Now, we hired you, and I am paying you. And I got to find out from the other side that they offered $200,000. I want to win this. I'm going to the... Jury with a solid case. I got a, I got a famous doctor for an expert witness. You're gonna get what five, six times what. You guys, you guys, you're all the same. The doctors at the hospital, you. It's always what I'm gonna do for you. And then you screw up, and it's uh. We did the best that we could. I'm dreadfully sorry. And people like us live with your mistakes the rest of our lives. Um, and it's because he has had, strangely, I think it catches the Newman character off guard because he is, we're introduced to him. He's an ambulance chaser. Right. And it is simply him going and trying to document the you know miserable situation that this young woman has found herself in because of a mishap 
in the hospital that has taken her life from her. She is now bedridden and living on a machine. Right. Um, him taking pictures of her, I think it catches himself off guard because he's just there to document someone else's pain, which equals dollar signs for him mm-hmm. and the family. And when he goes in for that initial meeting, he says, you know, I, I came here to take your money. And he has the pictures just there to, as a negotiating ploy. So I love the family dynamic as far as they seem like they know a wrong has been done, but they, they have no pie in the sky uh, illusions that they will get any form of justice from this. So they've already sort of gone through that trauma and they're past it. Whereas he's a newcomer to Mm -hmm. this, to this tragedy and they've hired the perfect guy. And for whatever fucking reason, just, just at that, that moment, he pivots just slightly to yeah. where he, he can't stand the idea of this just being bought off and tidied away and just and left. And also it, it contributes, I think, that the family is going to leave her behind. Like they are moving for, for job reasons. But sure. in fairness to those characters, I think the script is very fair. They are pure middle to lower class. Yeah. Like they are struggling. And so they have done as much as they can, and the powers that be, the world, they're just never going to be victorious against these huge, yeah. powerful players. And they have there's this line where the the guy comes up to him and starts to he wants to have a physical altercation with Newman. It's a great scene. Normally in these things, oh. normally he would be seen as the hero. Like right. something has to be done. I believe in justice. Something. I am going to win this for you. But you can tell how unsure he is. In right. That. He but, knows it's the right thing to do, but he has. But am I the right guy? Confidence. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the line that comes from, you know, the, the husband of this woman who's lost her sister is um, the the fact that this is just something he's going to do and they're going to be left behind. Like mm-hmm. all of these the delusions of grandeur, the sort of hero's journey that Paul Newman's character is on. They're going to be the ones left with the mess. Right. And he's like, no matter what your noble intentions are, we pick up the pieces of your mistakes. I love that. I love the fact that you have someone who would never be the lead character in a movie like this. That guy is never going to be the hero, but he's going to pay for what the hero attempts to do. And how many of these types of movies, whether it's like, was it Travolta in a movie where like the the water was being... Very similar. A civil action. Very similar. But... Usually, it's the people who are wronged coming to coming to the big fancy lawyer begging, please mm-hmm. take this case, please represent us. And this guy is like, "Will you, will you shut the fuck up and take the money? I'm trying to feed my family." And that mm-hmm. is the story we never hear in these inspirational courtroom dramas. And I was like, "I that's the point." Actually, in the movie where I was like, "Oh shit, oh this is gonna be good." Like because up to that, you're like, "Okay, I love this actor, I love this director, this is probably gonna be pretty good." But you know, I thought the group was gonna be pretty good too, and I was wrong there. <laughs> so you know, you never know what you're actually gonna get. So that moment was like, "Oh, this is something different." Like this is going to be a different kind of courtroom drama, and. The thing that most impressed me from a screenplay perspective is, and this sounds almost like an insult, but it's not, is how slow the first hour is. Like, it really, really takes its time. And if you want a masterclass in building tension in a script all the way up to this climactic speech, this is the one. Like, it is incredible because it moves just quickly enough where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm interested in this. This is, there's a lot going on. Like, okay, I can, I can see kind of where this is going. And then, I I became retroactively angry at all these lists and clip collections of the greatest speeches of all time. I've never seen this featured. And this, like, I was in tears 
by the end of the speech. This is beautifully written and so well performed by him. Like it's just into the stratosphere. Great. So good that even though the sound was messed up on HBO, <laughs> I brought Tessa into the room and was like, okay, I know the audio is messed up. I just want you to listen to this. Like, this is great screen. This is it. And we were both like, oh, my God. And she saw this without context. Like, I basically told her, like, here's the beginnings of the case, and then it all leads to this. And that's all the information she had. We're both extremely moved by it. It's just like, I think sometimes, weirdly, like, as time passes, we forget how great Newman was throughout his entire career. Like, he's got, like... It's like there's three Newmans, right? There's like the young brash, and then you have the the old grumpy curmudgeon Newman, and then you mm-hmm. have this like middle period where he did a little bit of everything. And this is like, man, I, it's it's not a short movie, but it's it's the opposite of the group where I was like, can this be? Can I have more of this? I want more of this because it's just like, honestly, like a perfect script. And Lumet kind of, I think he, it feels like he pulls himself back. He's not doing a lot of tricks. He's not being really showy. He's just going insular in this movie. And that's exactly what it should be. Because I think once you get too wide and too big, then you lose the power of this ambulance chaser having an actual arc. And there's not an arc where it's like there's this huge dramatic moment and he sees this terrible thing. It's like he sees the aftermath of the terrible thing and figures out, oh, my God, I can't do what I always do. This is actually the moment where I have to change no matter what it costs me. Like, I don't think there's a there's a point early where he's like, I got this. And then I think as he's going through, he's like, oh, I am <laughs> I am sinking here. I am in way over my head. That Concanon guy is way better than me. How am I possibly going to get through this? And again, seeing him in that space where he is out of his depth is, I think, where he really shines in this movie. That speech is great. It's tremendous. But I think his best acting is the realization behind his eyes that, like, I might lose this. Not only is that guy, that family not going to get that $200,000, they might walk away with nothing. And that's on me because I'm the one who made this choice. And seeing that guilt and that heaviness on him is just some of the most beautiful screen acting I've ever seen. Like, just stunning, stunning work. You usually see this type of... um role not necessarily the performance but this role that newman's playing in like a cop movie a detective totally he has a line yeah his, it does feel his like partner that. says like there's gonna be other cases like we're gonna lose <laughs> it's already done we're gonna lose and this is near the beginning of the <laughs> right, we're not. Right. it's over and he says there'll be other cases and newman says no this is the case which i think we we expect that with you know, a murder that haunts like a detective. Right. Uh, you, you see it in uh, Zodiac with Mark Ruffalo's character. Like, right. Just or Seven or, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, and what's interesting about Newman's character, like when you learn more about him, and normally I dislike these scenes. Uh, I like it because of, of a twist that's in place. There's a uh, woman uh, character played by uh, Charlotte Rampling. I was, I was, I was just going to ask you about what you okay. thought about that plot um, device. So... I like it only because if if she's just the girlfriend that they're he is Paul Newman, but he's also down on his luck. Paul Newman drunk, drunk playing pinball. pinball. Yeah. yeah, not the um, sexiest version of Paul Newman. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily bought the that he could just pick her up with his like, hey, I think I'm actually going to like do something good today for once in my life. That sort of thing. I don't know if that's a huge selling point because uh, you have to basically put a spotlight on how wasted your life has been up to this point. However, 
his friend and partner uh, does tell her a bit of his backstory at a time. And I normally think that's it's a pretty big cheat to have another character say, let me tell you about his life. This is why he is the way right. he is. Um, <laughs> but we do know that for some reason he had a wife. They're no longer together. He still has her picture. By Gee, I can't English. imagine why they're not together anymore <laughs> this fucking winter. <laughs> but his origin story as such is that he had the big cushy job with like her like father like in this law firm. And they didn't have confidence, I guess, in him, or it's just the way they did things. They were going to tamper. They were going to do some sort of witness tampering. They were going to basically buy off the right. jury. They were going to do all those shenanigans. And he must have been such a Boy Scout that he's like, but that's not, that's not how things work. Like, I, you know, we, we play fair. And it's, it's endearing then, and not so much when he's an old man, when you said he has this confidence, but then he realizes that the other side's going to play dirty and they're going to get right. to his witnesses. And they're, and it's like he, He'd forgotten that aspect of like the world is this bleak, the world is right. this dark that you have to fight for like <laughs> lightness to to escape the darkness here. And he's his friend is explaining that that's basically where he lost his way is just because he was shocked at the way of the world and lost his wife, lost his job, lost everything, and became this bitter figure, this ambulance chaser. Where right. it's like, okay, if the world is this cold, then I'll I'll play the game. I'm just out just for the easy fix, easy money. I'm going to prey on people's pain and tragedy. Right. <laughs> and it's weird to me that I, at, at different times in the film, depending on whose point of view, I guess I was hearing expressed with this great dialogue that I would root for him and then think maybe you were better off as the ambulance chaser. Maybe right. that's all you're capable of is just that quick, tiny sum of money. You can't fix these tragedies. No one really can. Right. And what, what amount would do it for you? Um, the Charlotte Rampling character I mean, she's she's uh, a spy of sorts. She's there to sabotage his case. She's there to get information. She sleeps with him. She's been tasked to do so by the other side, by the fucking church of all people, the church's attorneys. Um, well, the church and sexual misconduct, they kind of go together hand in hand. I mean, let's be real. So I saw you Primal know, Fear. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, I saw. <laughs> That's you know, Eddie your... <laughs> Morton handled that. <laughs> Not Spotlight, you know, Primal Fear. Yeah, that's right the um, actual movie, not a TV show masquerading <laughs> as a movie. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Gere automatically makes it cinematic. Just a gorgeous man. It's true. Um, With his barely open eyes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not very expressive, but I don't care. He just expresses beauty. That's yeah. All, all he needs it's just to hot. That's all that matters. Um, <laughs> the Rampling character, I, I don't mind it because I, I think it plays into how that, that sort of naive younger man that right. Newman, I guess, is trying mm. to grasp back onto. Um, I did read where the studio, because of the not final, I guess final confrontation, not the final time that they see each other, when he has been told, hey, she's basically been relating to the other side of everything that uh, you're attempting to do here. So if you thought the odds were not already stacked against you, you also have this very attractive woman <laughs> sticking knives in your back, right. feeling bad about it, feeling bad about it, I guess, but still. Um, and when he finds her in New York, he slaps her yeah. or punches. I can't re I mean, there, there's, I can't remember if it's a uh, open palm or not. It's a pretty uh, heavy slap. Like it's, you know, okay. in 2003, yeah, 23 standards, it's very like, oh, wow, we're just, we're doing yeah. that. <laughs> It's a lot. She did not respond like Chris Rock. She did not laugh and then awkwardly go on to host. You know, right. the, you know, the didn't just take that shot. <laughs> no. Uh, and Paul Newman, you were talking about at the beginning of this conversation that you know Redford uh, would never. I think that's one something Redford would never do. Totally. Newman insisted 
that remain in. Insistent. And I don't know. It was like, I'm definitely slapping her. That has to happen. How many (laughs) handsome leading men would want that where you've rooted for this guy. He, you know, he's on the right side of this, with this case, Mm -hmm. you admire what he's trying to do that in that moment, uh, he can be brought low again. Right. To like, and he insisted on that in the, in the studio, I think rightfully was thinking like, I don't know, this is very late in the game and we might lose the sympathy that you've yeah. you know well earned up to that point. That's what I love about the movie is I don't think that he, he's not a hero. No, he's not, not at all. And th- this is the case because this may be the only time he can ever do something. I don't think this is going to be like, Oh, he's, he's not a great lawyer. Right. He's, now he's fighting for truth and guy. justice. No, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. No, I think, I think that brings up a great point that it's something about this movie that makes it truly great is it doesn't take the easy way out. It would be so easy to be like, okay, he, he saw these pictures. He's made this choice and now it's all the way up. Like he's just going to be the best guy possible. And it's like, no, he's still weak he's still wounded he's still messed up by his whole life one case is not going to solve that movies teach us that right that like one shining moment is going to change us and make us good people being a good person is a lifelong journey it's not a moment in time he did the right thing here generally speaking but along the way ooh, there's a lot of mistakes here you know and it's 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 a really brave choice from a screenplay perspective and from Newman's perspective as a leading man. Like, no, I'm not going to let you pretty me up, actually, even emotionally. I'm going to react how this character would react because I think it it rings totally hollow if he, like, forgives her or if he just moves on. Like, he has he has a lot of problems and he tends to snap into decisions. And I think that's tied to what you talked about as far as his his uh, his origin story. Right. He makes snap decisions. He'd like things supposed to be a certain way. And if they're not, I just can't handle it. And it really, as you were talking about that, it made me think about how important time and context is to movies like this. Right. Because you have a story of a man who's like, no, we have to do the right thing. That is a story we as filmgoers love and we eat up when it happens. We don't ever think about, okay, what are the true repercussions of that decades later? Like what happens to Tom Cruise and the firm when he's 50? Like we're not interested in that. We're just interested in like, yeah, I did the right thing. Rah, rah. He did the, yeah, he fought the man. That's great. But this is probably a more likely story of what would happen to someone who took a stand against a really powerful group of people. It's like, okay, now not only do you not have those advantages, But also you're in a place in your life now where you don't believe that rightness matters because I did the right thing and look what happened to me. So fuck it. I'm going to get mine. (laughs) Right. Until he gets to a point where there's just this one moment in time where he's like, you know, I just I can't. I cannot sleep tonight if I don't do something. And that is an impactful arc. That's an impactful turn for this character. And that's why this is so much better then maybe every other courtroom drama besides something like, you know, maybe another Lumet movie, <laughs> 12 Angry Men, you know, like this really stands above. I'm trying to think of other, like I love stuff like A Few Good Men and that is great, but simple, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to get this guy to say the thing. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do my best to protect the innocent, right? And Newman in this movie is kind of doing the same thing. But in this really damaged, weathered way, and it's so much more effective. 
Yeah, the difference uh, you brought up a civil action and now a few good men are Travolta and Cruz in those respective films. They do become believers, but it's well into them trying the case. Right. Like they, right. they come in with ego uh, that, you know, this is, you know, it's the right thing to do. And I'm the right guy for it. Right. Like it's a, this is going to be easy. And Newman, <laughs> you know, you even get to see him ask for the money back. When he right. thinks, oh, uh, shit, we're about to uh, lose. Please. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I didn't want any of this. Yeah, I think the difference really is in those movies, the case breaks those egos down. Mm-hmm. This movie, at the start, his ego and his self is shattered. And the case, in some ways, starts to piece him back together. Yes, right. Yes. And he's going to have moments where he falls and gets back up, but it's such a different arc than those rah-rah movies. This is like you get a rah-rah moment at the end with the title, with the verdict, but it's still like I love that shot when the verdict is read because you can just see it in his face like, what, for real? Like, I, I, I fucking won? Like, he's in c- complete disbelief. Despite the fact that he gave maybe the greatest courtroom speech to ever be written down, there's still a moment where you're like, I beat, I beat the fucking church? Like, I beat Concanon? Like, that that doesn't seem possible. Even when I made all these mistakes, I should have taken the money. I shouldn't have trusted this woman, right? I should have done all these other things along the way. And somehow, because I believed and because I put in every ounce of work I could, I managed to do something right. It doesn't mean... I'm going to be a shining example moving forward, but it does mean at least this one moment in time, I did something that was worth it. And that is a beautiful way to end a film. I mean, and a lot of his speeches owning up to the fact that he's not a very good, at least trial lawyer. No, <laughs> um, he didn't, you know, now he does have, as with most of these courtroom dramas, uh, a fairly evil judge. He yeah. has decided to bend over backwards to side with the powers that be. Um, but his final speech to his fellow man is basically like the main thing I have going for me is that I know deep down a wrong has been done and you do too. Right. And they do as well. They know all this is wrong. Right. I'm not good enough to present this as far as if we're just going with the evidence at hand and what they allowed to be admissible. I failed. Right. But we know, we know an injustice has been done here. And you have the power. Basically, he's saying, do a better job than I did. Right. <laughs> right. No, job and it's, it's so can. beautiful where he's just like, none of this other shit matters. The judge doesn't matter. That lawyer doesn't matter. I don't matter. All that matters is that you, the people, do the right thing. That's it. And I don't think I've ever heard a speech like that in a courtroom. Usually it's like, well, let me tell you what I did right and what they can't prove and blah, blah, blah. And even if they fight against this, we all know it's true. It's just like, hey, something bad has happened and you have the ability to give some level of fix to this. I don't, they don't, but you do. The ball is in your court. And that was like wildly empowering, like on a societal level, not just in this case, but just like, yeah, if we actually do this right, we can make the right decisions. And I did not expect a David Mamet written script to be that positive and empowering. And it does make me wonder, how do I feel about that speech if we never know the verdict? <laughs> you know, at the beginning I said, like, I kind of prefer it. Now I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know how I feel <laughs> about this. Where's the verdict to? I need the resolution. I don't think 
So normally, uh, you know, since we've sort of changed format, you were sort of tasked with finding something that was critically well respected, which this was. I believe it's an eighty-nine percent. I yeah, think, bunch of Oscars, tomatoes. like yeah, yeah. Uh, also, this is one of the I think to me, like you know how we say uh, DiCaprio really should have won his Oscar for Wolf of Wall Street, but instead it was The Revenant. I feel the same. I love you know the color of money and Scorsese. I sure. feel like that was a makeup for the verdict. God. That to me it's, is like you know, it's, years prior. I mean, it's not even close. If you compare those two performances, like color money is wonderful. And we, you know, on another show talked a lot about that movie and how great it is. But podcast directed by yes. download all the episodes, please. <laughs> but leave the, a review like a gentleman did like three years after the show ended. That was very nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. But in that movie, it's one of those like Newman could do this with both hands tied behind his back. Like this is, this is easy for him. This is in his wheelhouse. I think this takes a lot more skill and subtlety and it's a shame, you know, and Oscars, whatever, like you can't, Honestly, they should just start doing, we're going to award Oscars for the movies five years ago so we can actually think about this a little bit. Because it's, you know, so often they get it wrong. Webb on Trilogy Theory, my co-host there, has posited that they should do it 10 years later, Mm. uh, like a revote. I think that would be fantastic television. I guess it would be kind of mean oh. if, the, if the Oscars were Actually, your away, movie sucks. I... We're not even giving you a nomination this time. Crash. <laughs> like, you know, they should really try anything at this point you know, yeah. the viewership is so way down well Whatever. Make it mike up. they are they are trying this year we have avatar and top gun nominated for best picture if that is not a plea for viewership i don't I, know what is <laughs> i don't think it's gonna move the needle that much but you know whatever you think that's the reason you have 10 nominees right that's the that's dark it. knight rule yep All that's right. correct that's um, correct so normally you would go to a list and i did see that it was on two uh, and since we've really gone uh, on about the the last speech, I'm assuming that's what they're referencing when it was on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Cheers. Uh, and I assume it was this particular moment. Probably. Uh, it was below, two spots below. It came in 75 on that list. Two spots below Aaron Brockovich, oh, which is another, I off. guess, Jeez. is it an... Can you call that a courtroom? Yeah. They never get to the court. Yeah, it's they? really say- like building the case, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And great movie. Uh, I love Aaron Brockovich, but mm-hmm. this is this is different. Five spots ahead of Babe? Do you think this is five cheers better than Babe? This is talking This is movie? 70 cheers <laughs> above Babe. What are we talking about? What's number 1 on this list so I can shit all over it? <laughs> you won't. You won't. Uh It's a Wonderful Life is number 1. Uh, well, so All right, fair. What's number 2? <laughs> to Kill a Mockingbird? Uh, I don't know if that's cheer. like that's great, but I don't know if I'm like yeah, like I'm super excited. But I think the verdict is better. I think it's a better court movie than it is. Still Mockingbird. It is. It is. <laughs> I I don't even think that should be a scandalous take. Like it is better. Kill Mockingbird is a great movie. One I enjoyed watching in school many many times. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <But> <laughs> they're not going to show this one. They're not going to show Paul Newman just. <laughs> rearing back and slapping some woman they're not showing that on a rainy day in school that's not i don't think we need even need to get in number three i'm afraid of what who you would insult it's schindler's list that, no number that, three. And that's the episode everybody <laughs> <laughs> i have so many jokes that i will never record about that anyway we're gonna move on <laughs> yes uh dave what is next in our what first five tie-breaking well, we went from a movie that is very talky uh, to mm-hmm. the opposite, uh, a silent film. 
uh, called The General, Great. a Buster Keaton movie. But, Mike, it's like 88 <laughs> minutes, so... <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> so that's... Uh, we're going to talk about a... I guess a very important movie in cinema history. I don't know how we're going to talk about it, because... Uh, We'll see. It's hard to talk about silent movies. No fucking of, clips. No clips. No like that's going to be like an 18-minute episode. <laughs> Roll through. So if you like short podcast episodes, stay tuned for that one. God, like America's Funniest Home Videos. I like when he fell down. I like when something hit him. <laughs> Can't wait. It's going to be great, guys. So much of the time, we're just lost. I say, please, God, tell us what is right. Tell us what is true. I mean, there is no justice. The, the rich win, the poor are powerless. We become tired of hearing people lie and after a time we become dead a little dead we think of ourselves as victims and we become victims we become We become weak. We doubt ourselves. We doubt our beliefs. We doubt our institutions. And we doubt the law. But today you are the law. You are the law. Not some book, not the lawyers, not a, a marble statue or the trappings of the court. See, those are just symbols of our desire to be just. They are... They are, in fact, a prayer. I mean, a fervent and a frightened prayer. In my religion, I say, act as if you had faith. Faith will be given to you. We are to have faith in justice. We need only to believe in ourselves and act with justice. See, I believe there is justice in our hearts. 